Today's show is sponsored by Miracle Made. And oh my God, you guys, you know that I love a luxurious set of sheets. And I now have such a set of sheets because of a miracle made. They are bedding that has been inspired by NASA. They've got silver infused fabrics that actually make temperature regulating a thing. Uh, so you're not like getting too hot or too cold or whatever, you know, the whole thing that happens with your body's temperature losing its mind. Miracle made helps with that. One of the little things that my husband particularly loves about Miracle Made is that it like doesn't have as much bacteria as regular sheets because of it's infused with this silver that prevents up to 99.7% of bacterial growth. So it leaves the sheets cleaner for longer. And then the thing for my husband is that it doesn't give him acne, which is like an issue for some people. But more than all of that, it's just luxuriously comfortable and delightful. And it has that cooling feeling while also being cozy. Very hard to achieve those two things at the same time. I mean, miracle made, come on, well done. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and buy some sheets today. And if you order today, you can save 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation at the checkout and you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So there's just a lot of savings here, folks. Order today, you'll get 40% off. Use the promo code fake the nation. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation. And Miracle's so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30 day money back guarantee. So if you're not 100% satisfied, which I don't see happening, um, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash fake the nation and use the code fake the nation to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash fake the nation to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. Guys, it's June, which means Juneteenth. It just happened. Uh, but do you even know what Juneteenth is? Well, don't worry, because Andrew T. and Tani Newsom of Yo! Is This Racist are putting together a Juneteenth special to celebrate and educate just for you. This week, Yo! Is This Racist sits down with some of their favorite black comedians about their experience with Juneteenth. Uh, guests include uh, Carl Tart, Kara Brown, Lacey Mosley, Ify Wadiwe, a mysterious token white person, and more. Check out Yo! Is This Racist Juneteenth special. It's out now. Uh, and I, in general, love this podcast. You should subscribe to it. Listen and subscribe to Yo! Is This Racist on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast app. Thanks, the Nation, episode 153. I've identified two things, basically dancing and karaoke, as things that I love doing that are just, there's no fucking there's actual professional. professional. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, I feel like they're analog. Like, this is yeah. the other yeah. hobby that it, it like, can't be mm-hmm. something that can be involved yeah. with a screen. Yeah. Right, We're right. Mm-hmm. I was talking to my therapist about, like, why do I love karaoke so much? And she was just like, well, that makes a lot of sense because there's so much breathing in it and singing yeah. and breathing. Yeah. Uh, breathing calms the nervous system. I was like, oh. That, medical. I didn't realize yeah, that. Yeah, there's, like, straight-up <laughs> medical reason why yeah. singing makes this, you feel like, good. and Japanese people yeah. live for they so long. They figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> just yeah. drink, like, yeah. 10 yeah. beers yeah. 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 Exactly. and sing with your friends. Yeah. <laughs> 
Hello, hello, this is Fake the Nation, where we talk about news, we talk about politics, and where we just can't help but play this clip. We'll see my financial statement at some point. I assume it's going to be released. You'll be very impressed with the job I've done. Much, much bigger, much, much better than anybody. Uh, They're after my financial statement. The Senate, they'd like to get my financial statement. At some point, I hope they get it. You're going to turn it over? No, at some point, I might. But at some point, I hope they get it because it's a it's a fantastic financial statement. It's a fantastic financial statement. And uh, let's do that over. He's coughing in the middle of my answer. Yeah. Okay. I don't like that. You know. When your chief of staff. If you're gonna cough, please leave me alone. Shot him, and I'll, I'll come over here. This can't. You just can't. Just to change the shot. Okay. Sorry. Do you want to do that a little differently then? Yeah, we just changed the answer. <laughs> okay, so he does another take of that really brilliant answer about having phenomenal financial statements. You guys, I cannot get over this fucking clip. I don't. We don't need to talk about the George Stephanopoulos interview. We don't need to get into it. I'm your host, Nagin Farsad, and apparently Mick Mulvaney doesn't get pre-notice from his throat when he's about to cough, which is so unusual. My fucking coughs are on a timer, so, like, I just know and I can leave the room in advance. I don't know about you guys. I mean, if any of you guys cough during this podcast, I'm going to use it as an excuse to, like, begin at one, <laughs> start over, <laughs> get the perfect edit in. We have to do that in post. Oh, yep. His whole presidency is just him giving takes to the camera. It is a nightmare. But you know what? We're not going to talk about that today. I mean, in a roundabout way, we're kind of always going to talk about that. But we're actually going to talk about the relaunch or ongoing launchiness of the heinous uh, Trump campaign. Um, We're also going to talk about the miserable tension with Iran. And uh, we'll also talk about the future of sex work. And finally, the wellness industry uh, hasn't outlived its usefulness. Um, Today, I'm really excited about this panel. First timers, both uh, many timers to the world of media. So it doesn't matter that they're first time on their show. This show, they're many times and many of your hearts is. We have with us the editorial director of the Mashup Americans, an independent media company that deals with everything that's hyphenated American. Um, and they have a newsletter and a website and a podcast. So you should definitely be subscribing to Mashup Americans. Uh, we have with us Amy Choi. Hey, Hello. Amy. Thank um, you for having me. Oh, my God. Thanks so much for being here. And I think you're still would be completely up the alley of Fake the Nation listeners, so uh, I hope they are now currently taking note. Go do it. Um, <laughs> we also have with us writer. You've she's written for many of a publication. Just finished a long stint at New York Magazine, um, and she's also the co-host of the Night Call podcast. You guys, it's Emily Yoshida. Hello, hey. thank you for having me. <laughs> um, so happy that you guys made it onto the show. Let us begin with. Topic number one. Okay, so Trump kicked off his dumb campaign with a 76-minute speech. 76-minute speech. He's so fucking long-winded for a guy that has very little content in the stuff that he says because it's repetition, you know, because it's just repetition, you know. Um, (laughs) But he, so he made this 76-minute speech that, like, made angels cry and unicorns, like, go back into their caves (laughs) 
unicorn. Do unicorns secretly live in caves and then come out in, like, into the rainbows? Ocean? I don't know. They definitely no live in idea. Orlando. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they live in Orlando. Um, and I, yeah, and basically it was a speech that made me want to eat carbs. And uh, that's, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It was bad. Um, and I guess let's just start with your initial reactions um, to this re-kickoff of the campaign that never ended. Because if we'll all just take a moment to remember, he refiled. I keep saying re, but he filed his papers. Like the day he was inaugurated, On right? his inauguration day for the 2020 campaign. Couldn't wait. It's yeah. his favorite thing to do, his it's, campaign. It's his favorite Because he doesn't actually do. govern. I, I have, like, I my pulse is racing. Like, <laughs> I feel heat rising from my body. Yeah. I well, can, let's all check our Fitbits, I know, you like, guys. I can only imagine that the the... Uh, like the experience of my rage and disgust for this human being and and the feeling that I have when he speaks mm. is that must be what for his like diehards like the euphoria they get yeah i mean it is so i have a physical reaction to seeing his picture yeah no or agree. to like hearing his voice i'm like you can see i'm like making it's a podcast yeah. you can't <laughs> see but like wild there's gesticulations there's a lot of flailing it makes me feel like I'm losing my mind. Yeah. And I was like, oh, but this is also why people love him. Like the exact and the and like what he's outlining in his idiot non sequitur campaign speech. I know outlining was such a like <laughs> elegant term for what he was doing. But yes, what he was outlining is it, like this stuff that makes me feel like uh, like my skin is peeling off is mm-hmm. what his supporters love love and yeah. i'm like how how is this even possible i mean so he there's a lot though for them not to love right because he didn't get the border wall he didn't manage to repeal obamacare um he hasn't gotten an infrastructure bill um the economy has been strong but everyone's still on the lower rung, suffering, right? So income inequality has just strengthened. Uh, why, I mean, why are they so happy? I mean, I think <laughs> the thing that's continuing, continually fascinating to me about about Trump in campaign mode is how he's able to always be the aggrieved person. He's always able to be the victim, even mm-hmm. as president of the United States. It's like a cool trick. Um <laughs> Yeah, but I think it's a um, talent. It's like there's y- a yeah, there's like turning like... the entire Mueller investigation into a thing. Like in his speech, where he's just saying like, "This is what they're they're doing this to me, but they're really doing it to you." To you, like, yeah. um, and that is such a. I mean, it's it's an ingenious flip, I have to say. And like, I don't, I den- genuinely don't think when you're appealing to emotions in that way, when you're appealing to people's sense of victimhood, which it's really hard to get people out of sense of victimhood once they're in it. Uh, it doesn't matter if he's not delivering on anything. Like, yeah. he's making them feel, like, you know, mad and justified in their anger. And that is that will trump, so to speak, anything, uh, I, I think, for this campaign, certainly. Also, they're racist. Yeah. And he's racist. Yeah. And he makes them feel good about their racism. Right. And There's so they're that. real happy. Well, I think, okay, I mean— one thing that I was noticing was that, you know, so there's this, the, you know, the the way they look at him is like a demigod, right? It's not just a presidential candidate or, you know, the president. There's this other quality that they're tapping into that, that they've created in their perception of a demigod. And 
I wonder if, you know, in 20, in 2008, when Obama was giving his speeches and the world went crazy, even I remember when Obama gave a speech in Berlin, I think during the general election um, in 2008, and there, and I, I mean, a ridiculous, I'm going to say 100,000 people showed up or something ridiculous, a ridiculous number showed up. And this was Germans, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, that that Obama also possessed that quality and that um, on the right to see liberals fawn over that man felt the same. So in in that context, do you are you a little bit more sympathetic to how they might feel? Well, I think people certainly overlooked a lot of things that Obama didn't follow up on in his campaign promises and into his presidency. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, I think I think there is a certain amount of equivalency, but I think, uh, you know, the the racism always tips the scale a little bit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, yeah. that's true. (laughs) The other interesting thing, he didn't follow through on on a lot of things that he said he would. Um, He also didn't offer any plans for his second term. Does he ever have plans? Are there are plans part it, of his presidency? I mean, keep building the wall. What else do you want? <laughs> there will be a wall Continue someday. Continue to build it in your mind, even. Um, he's still running against Hillary Clinton. Oh, absolutely. You know, he's literally like running against some lady in a Westchester who walks her dogs in the forest. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's shocking to me because they really need a better villain. I mean, at least move it on to Nancy Pelosi. Like, figure out a way to lock Nancy Pelosi up or whatever. I mean, it just makes no sense. And uh, and the the crowd was chanting so aggressively, lock her up. I was like, how up. is she still an emotional touch point yeah. for you? Like, I mean, this she's a, some lady now. This is a campaign that's, like, fundamentally about the past and looking back at the past and, like, you know, just obsessing over it all night long uh, and making that a part of your identity. So, of course, they're going to just fixate on an election that's now, you know, th- three years in the, the rear view. Uh yeah, and I mean, he he will continually refer to it as being what the greatest the greatest campaign of all time because there's measurable metrics for such a thing. <laughs> um, I mean, it certainly will go down in history. I, I don't think he's wrong about that. <laughs> I like that he switched his slogan after two years yeah. to what is it? Keep America great. Yeah, which CAG. is also CAG. the tagline. No, just CAG. Just CAG. <laughs> it's the tagline for the purge. Uh, one of the purge movies. So is CAG? Oh, keep oh, America keep- great. Is it really the tagline for a Persian? By movie? the way, I watched the first one and I was surprisingly delighted by the oh, movie. They are great. So Everybody good. watch the as as a former film critic with my authority, go watch the Purge movies. They also, say everything you need to know about America. Yes. And Ethan Hawk. But the um, I was other- too traumatized to finish the first Purge movie. <laughs> I had to stop it in the middle. Yeah, I was like, oh my God, people are just gonna straight up die. So yeah. I gotta turn this off. Sorry, continue. Oh no, I was just saying maybe he hasn't figured out a new villain because he like can't he doesn't know who the other candidates are. Like, yeah. he can't, there's too many names. He can't remember them. I mean, them. do we? No, right. <laughs> Facts. Can you but, name uh, them all right now? <laughs> right. True. Steve saw... Bullock, uh, Eric Swalwell. I'm starting at the real bottom end. Um, yeah, Jay Inslee. Okay, continue. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just like, but he, I, I think maybe he's just too dumb to move on. 
Yeah. Well, the other the other thing is his nickname game has gotten so weak because Sleepy <laughs> Joe Biden does that. <laughs> nicknames have to like identify something that everyone agrees is like a fundamental characteristic about that person. Well, he can't very well do segregationist Joe. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's a little, it doesn't quite he work. He can't. And I thought like he can't do like hair smelling Joe because right. he has so many sexual <laughs> assault claims on his uh, own. It would just draw too much attention to himself. But uh, but Sleepy Joe just doesn't resonate with any. I mean, I'm like that has nothing to do with it. Joe Anything? Biden was never sleepy. Like I don't Who's know. Who's older though of the two of them? I, I mean, think Joe Biden is like a touch older. Yeah. So that's it. Like, but he's it's older. ridiculous. Old it's like a t- he's a touch older. <laughs> um, okay, but and the, the other the, the other thing that I want to just mention here, and I listeners of Fake the Nation, how. Should we be covering this campaign? I'm really curious. There's part of me that's, you know, I didn't even want to talk about this stupid rally. And um, part of me was just like, oh, actually, let's use this as an example, as a as an excuse to talk about whether or not we should talk about this campaign. So how do you think the media should be covering this campaign? <laughs> Members of the media, both of you, <laughs> let's hear it. I mean, in my fantasy world, we take his legs out from under him by not covering it yeah, with the kind of, like, obsessive dedication that we did to everything that happened in 2015 and 16. Yeah. And just be like, okay, well, we are actually going to report news that comes out. And there, as you said, zero news. There's zero new information coming out of that rally. Yeah, it was nothing. Right? There's, really, like, no really policy nothing. points. No. There is nothing about financing. There is no. nothing about, um, uh, like, any sort of aspirational legislation. There's literally nothing happening. Yeah. So let's not cover it. Let's not cover it. Yeah. Let's not—I know. And I don't I don't know how—who was— um, and as you said, str- you know, like broadcasting been going for it. two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we know, like we know known. these rallies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it started this past week, but it's been going on this Although, entire time. I guess it was a little newsworthy that the Guzzlers were playing at, um, <laughs> at the rally. Whomst are the Guzzlers, please? I know. <laughs> like, I don't. are the Guzzlers? <laughs> is exactly. I have no fucking idea. Never heard of them. before. I mean, remember when we thought it was sad that he could only get Kid Rock? But like, I've heard a kid rock you know <laughs> i know you, at man. the very least um yeah okay so let us move on uh, to uh, to something that's happening um with uh the <laughs> a, a, a created crisis by the trump administration so iran um they're making a case for war against iran and um a lot has happened in the last couple of weeks we've been kind of uh talking about it here and there on the show um there was like the tanker situation we don't know who we, we still don't know who did that of course like pompeo saying that iran did that um but uh now they're make they're trying to make the case that iran and al-qaeda are working together um and of course last night uh, or this early this morning um iran shot down a u.s unmanned drone uh and the question is, was it over the was it over Iranian water land or was it over international waters? Um, of course, Iran is saying it was over Iran. That's why they did it. And then um, the Americans are saying it was over international waters. So um, and, and again, I don't know that we'll have an answer on that. And I want to say about whether or not um, what we can say is true, like what 
for example, it's hard to believe for an Iranian, it's going to be hard to believe an American assessment of a situation because like, for example, in 88, I think it was the American shot down a passenger plane killing, I don't know, 200 something people um, over the Straits of Hormuz, I think it was. And then said that we never did it, but then years later it came out that the, that they did yeah. it. 1953, right? The Irani, the Americans took out the democratically elected um, president Mossadegh out of Iran to install the sh- a puppet dictator, the Shah. Um, and of course they denied it, but then it came out later that they did it. Right. Mm-hmm. So for Iranians, it's very very difficult to believe. American assessments. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think on the world state, I mean, obviously, there's this rivalry has been going on for such a long time. Our allies are even going to be, they're going to question our assessment, right? Mm-hmm. So anyway, tensions are ratcheting up. What's going to happen? I don't know. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell us. I've always got no. all the answers. No, I have no idea. I mean, this is, this is, I think that I think the the drone news, which came in, again, I feel like I got the the push alert sometime very late last night. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like, oh yeah, we're constantly just like shooting drones into other countries, like it doesn't make the news, and it's just like kind of just always happening. It's just like ambient. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I mean, it probably is always happening, right? There's just drones yeah. surveilling other countries constantly. Yeah. Why not? Just have a few drones out there. I mean, that's always a little bit. Of a wake-up call, I think, for most civilian people who are, uh, you know, just fixating on what, say, like Donald Trump is saying from day to day. I mean, there's so much stuff in that apparatus that we don't have any idea about. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I I don't know enough about the situation to know what the the, uh, advantage would be for Iran to shoot down a a U.S. drone that wasn't in their airspace. I mean, I think— the the point that Iran might have made there is you, we're not going to be pushed around. I mean, I think it basically comes down to that. I think that the, the, the drumbeat towards war is so strong that maybe people – I think they're trying to say also like – you you guys fucked up in Iraq, you know. You like, are you gonna just do that again? And but except for this time with a country that actually has its shit together, mm-hmm. that's a terrible idea for the international community. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and it does. I mean, do you think the American public, uh, Amy, has an appetite for this uh, war here? Sorry. How dare you <laughs> cough? We have to go back. We have to go back. Fucking she rips no. off her face and it's Mick Mulvaney on the podcast the entire time. <laughs> oh, God. I'm so sorry. I could feel it coming, I really but I couldn't, war- I couldn't warn you. <laughs> boy, oh, boy. <laughs> but tell us more about your finances. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> hey, they'll be fabulous when they come out. Just, they're going to be gorgeous. Um, I mean, the uh, part of me that hopes that we're logical and have learned from many historical mistakes that we have made yeah. with interventions in the past is no, we don't. And I think we now also um, and have a generation of veterans that went to Iraq and Afghanistan and are like, why? Why? 
Yeah. Why? And they're coming back and they're traumatized, ad- traumatized, adult grown people that are, I think, and maybe this is just my age and, you know, me paying more attention to this community than I did. Like, I, I wasn't like conscious that way yeah. in the 90s or the but that being like, oh, this is actually the long-lasting forever impact of a war that is still going on, that is the war of our generation, that we see no reason that this happened. Yeah. And there's no success here, right? Like, there is no answer here. So I can only hope that the American appetite for something, for an invasion into Iran, uh, is is diminished. Yeah. And that, like, you know, we are— we are so inundated with so many stories and international stories and horror stories that we're like, okay, well, this is a thing happening in Venezuela. This is a thing happening in um, Syria. This is a thing happening in Yemen. This is a thing happening in Afghanistan. And that we're just like more desensitized to all of that news. We're desensitized. Well, I hope not desensitized. We're just, but we're more conscious of it, mm-hmm, I think. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. people live more in the news that they are, so there's, like, two sides oh, yeah, to it. Like, true. you can be desensitized, but you also just know more, see yeah. more, and mm-hmm. you know more. That we're like, wait, why the fuck would we do this again? Yeah, right. why would we when do this again? When it seems can kind I, of obviously like a distraction. Can I scare you guys, though, just a quick sec? Um, <laughs> with two pieces of information. One is that in 2001, Congress granted a, a, an authorization to the president to um, be able to, like, attack uh, anything having to do with Al Qaeda, right? And so the 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 ta- the Pompeo is making the rounds, trying to be like Iran and Al Qaeda, Iran and Al Qaeda, Iran and Al Qaeda, and they're doing that to make the legal justification mm-hmm. to be able to go <clears throat> to war without involving Congress. Right. So there's there's that little thing that I want to instill fear in your hearts. Um, And then the other thing that I wanted to instill fear is in 2012, Trump had said about the Obama campaign, he should start a war with Iran because it'll help his 2012 uh, election um, efforts. And so strategically, he already has it in his mind that it's something that could be useful for him. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, this, it politically, it feels like, or at least when it you're thinking about him running, mm-hmm. is that, like, a war with Iran is his new wall. Right. Yeah. It's like no, the exactly. new thing that he's talking yeah. about. But what does his base project onto a war with Iran? Like, what do they, what do they think that they get? I mean, it's very easy to... To pinpoint what what they what they put on. Well, there's the other. Wall. There's the Israel aspect of it too. Like it putting you know t- taking out Iran protects Israel, and I think his you know the evangelical supporters really really are like staunch. Um, they're really into that, right? Yes, yeah. I mean, I get, like, I mean, yeah. I'm actually now that I'm talking about Israel, I actually don't know what the base thinks specifically about Israel. Although I think they're generally like super. Um, pro. Pro. I mean, everyone is super pro, for the record. I also would like to see Israel continue to exist. Sure. I really I just like to... Before I get emails about this, right. I am also super pro. But we're talking about uh, being super pro at the expense of other countries versus being super yes. pro in a peaceful, diplomatic way, which is my way. Um, anyway... <laughs> Live in fear of every time I open my mouth, yeah. I will be ejected from uh, society. Um, so, okay. Uh, oh, and and I just also want to point out the ridiculousness of the logic here because Iran is an, also announced that they're going to start enriching uranium. 
look, we're the ones that well, walked away from the nuclear deal. Yeah. And yeah. now we're like, look, they're going to enrich uranium yeah. in violation. This HeadGum podcast is brought to you by Aura Frames. That is right. Uh, from grandmothers to new mothers, aunts, even the friends of your life, every mom loves an Aura Frame. Holy shit, even aunts? Yes, especially aunts. Oh, well. Because it was named the best digital photo frame by Wirecutter and selected as one of Oprah's favorite things. I mean, these Aura Frames are guaranteed to bring joy to moms of all ages. I believe it. You have an Aura frame, don't you? Yes, I actually more than believe it. I know it. Uh, I've got one for my mom, my mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law. And dare I say your aunt? And dare you say my aunt and my aunt-in-law. Everyone's got one. Everyone loves them. I mean, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and there's no better gift than a digital photo frame. You give them the frame. It's got preloaded pictures in there, and you know what? You can update it with an app, so every time you take a new picture of a sweet little a person or place or thing in your life, it gets automatically sent to that frame. Exactly. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. Holy smokes. Excellent deal. Yeah, that's A-U-R-A frames.com. You use the code HEADGUM at checkout to save. HEADGUM. Nice. Yes. HeadGum. It's easy to set up. It's loved by everybody, including Oprah, including your aunt. Mm -hmm. So do check them out. That's A-U-R-A frames.com. Use code HeadGum at checkout to save. Damn right. And terms and conditions apply, of course. Of course. Thanks again to Aura. Today's show is sponsored by Pros. This is kind of, I feel like, you know, I'm on some sort of Lord of the Rings journey trying to figure out skincare. And I feel like this customized skincare line is really got my name on it. Basically, every bottle of Pro's custom hair care and skincare, I tried the skincare just recently, is made to order and it's personalized. It's got a unique blend of naturally powerful and proven effective ingredients to meet your needs, like specifically you. And then the way they do it is you take this great, like in-depth quiz, basically. They analyze over 80 factors for a complete view of your life, your beauty goals, um, like I have oily skin that's also dry, which is just a fun little conundrum. I live in New York City. Like we've got these four seasons. My my face gets weird during seasonal shifts. Um, I all of these things I got to kind of talk about in like in answering the questions. Um, the other fun thing was they asked us at the end, like, do you like a creamy type of moisturizer or like a less creamy kind? And I was kind of like, mm, I think like less creamy. And they were like, that's fine. Like you can do that, but we think for your skin type, creamier is better. And I never knew that. So I love that there's so much kind of personal information that goes into creating this. I got my stuff in the mail very quickly after I got a wonderful serum. Like I said, this very creamy moisturizer. Um, and this also very just delectably creamy cleanser that just kind of feel like I, I think it's possible that I've been washing my face with just like harsh harshness. 
for like many years because when I saw this cleanser, I was like, oh, is this what it's supposed to feel like? It's supposed to feel like a little bit of a delight on my face. That's not what I've been doing. So I don't know, guys. And here's the thing. You don't have to take my word for it in a third party, double blind dermatologist supervised controlled clinical study, um, which is like the gold standard for research studies. Pros prove that personalization works better than off-the-shelf alternatives, which just sort of totally makes sense on a just logical level if you think about it. Just it makes common sense. Pros is so confident that you'll love your results that they're offering my listeners an exclusive trial offer so you can see the difference custom care can make. 50% of your first subscription order at pros.com slash fake the nation um, will be taken off. That's pros.com slash fake the nation. You get your free consultation and 50% off your one of a kind formulas. Uh, Again, that's pros.com slash fake the nation. Go and get your just super personalized, luxurious skincare products and hair care products. That's what I'm going to try next. So pros.com slash fake the nation. Eat stress-free this spring with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. Choose from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular options like Calorie Smart, Keto, Protein Plus, or Vegan and Veggie. Also, discover more than 60 add-ons every week like breakfast, on-the-go lunch, snacks, and beverages to help you stay fueled and feel good all day long. What are you waiting for? Folks, I feel like I've mentioned this before, but I tried other services that I was displeased with. And then a neighbor of mine was trying Factor. I had pulled them aside in the hallway and I was like, what are you feeling about this Factor? And they were like, it is delicious. You should definitely do it. So then me and my husband did it and we loved it. They are chef-prepared meals that arrive to your door, and then in two minutes, you could be eating them. Like, it's so simple, and they're actually delicious. And for people like me who just sometimes, my schedule can be so maniacal between traveling in different cities and, you know, doing stand-up gigs. It's like I just don't have a typical schedule where I can plan, set aside time for cooking and all that stuff. So something like Factor really helps for me. The other thing that I love to do is try not to eat carbs. (laughs) So they have a keto option, which is fantastic. It's super delicious. They use premium ingredients. You can get stuff with like filet mignon and shrimp and truffle butter and broccolini and asparagus, right? Like real ingredients. There are no fuss, no mess meals. Um, They eliminate the hassle of having to prep. They're tailored to your schedule. Um, You can customize your weekly meals uh, with flexibility. You can pause or reschedule. I've actually done that. I've I've both paused and rescheduled. Um, Factor is basically your solution for fast premium meals without the need for cooking. We're celebrating Earth Day all month long. And look out for the Earth Month Eats badge on the menu for the lowest carbon footprint meals. So here's what I think you should do. I think you should head to factormeals.com slash fake the nation 50 and use the code fake the nation 50 to get 50% off your first month plus 20% off your next month. That's code fake the nation 50 at factormeals.com slash fake the nation 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active.
violation of the nuclear deal that we also walked away from. No, it's <laughs> like, so that and part of it is infuriating. And you're yeah. like, what? You can't be mad at that if you fucking walked away from the deal. Anyway, hopefully it's just an ultimatum to get the Europeans to help and the Europeans will, and then all of this will fucking calm the fuck down, anyways. Oh that is uh my hope in that. 95% of my family is in Iran. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Hi. You know what, though? On that really happy note, let's take a quick break. Let's just reset. Let's hear about our sponsors, which are happy sponsors. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about the future of sex work. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Green Chef is a USDA certified organic company that makes eating well, easy, and affordable with plans to fit every kind of lifestyle like paleo, vegan, and vegetarian, pescatarian, keto, gluten-free, and omnivore. Um, it's actually uh, the last segment of the show. We mentioned some a lot of these eating uh, dynamics, and uh, I did the keto version of a Green Chef meal, and it was so great that they had a keto version. I was delighted um, because a lot of these meal kit programs like don't necessarily have all of these options, right? And so um, when I saw keto, I clicked on it like a motherfucker, and I had some keto meals. Green Chef makes cooking easy with dinner options that work around your lifestyle and not the other way around. With Green Chef, it's easy to eat well and discover new recipes every week that you'll love to cook. You can even switch up your meal plan whenever you're ready to try a new way to eat. Recipes are quick. They're easy. Um, they're step-by-step instructions. I can totally attest to all this. We totally made these uh, Green Chef meals. Um, we had this like really delicious, it was like a salmon situation. Um, and it was so, t- there was like a, so, like a green like a uh, creamy sauce thing. Anyway, for a total of $75 off, that's $25 each of um that's $25 off each of your first 3 boxes. Go to greenchef.us/fake75. It's a very specific URL, but you guys should do it because it's a really great deal. It's $75 off and it's greenchef.us/fake75. For $75 off. You guys have heard me talk about paint your life before. It is the best gift I've ever given my parents. I think that's definitely accurate. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and stick with that hyperbolic statement. True. Best gift I ever gave my parents. My parents love their new grandchild and they want to see any representation of her all the time, constantly. So, so I sent a photo of my baby to paint your life. They turned it into a beautiful portrait that was hand-painted. My parents were elated. Paintyourlife.com basically lets you have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from a photo. Um, So you basically have an original painting of yourself, your children, your family, special place or a cherished pet at a price you can afford at paintyourlife.com. It's a true painting. It's like, like I said, it's done by hand. It's done by a world-class artist. Uh, And there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, you get your money refunded. With paintyourlife.com, you get your favorite memories transformed into a work of art that'll be cherished forever. And right now, as a limited time offer, you'll get 30% off your painting and free shipping. Um, it's a really great deal, you guys. To get this special offer, text the word FAKE to 484848, right? So text the word FAKE, 
to 484848. Again, that's F-A-K-E. You're going to text that to 484848. And don't forget the message and data rates apply. And we are back and we are ready for topic number two. So you guys, New York may be the first state to fully decriminalize sex work. I didn't Yay. even know this was like in the works. I was Word. actually really excited to, to read about that. The entire issue of sex work just wasn't really on my radar. I don't know where it stood for you guys. Um, but a listener had uh, emailed about it. And I, uh, you know, and I was like, you know what? We really never have talked about it. And um, and it and it, it feels like a little bit of a political blind spot um, for me personally. So I was excited to read about this. Uh, the new bill would remove criminal penalties related to buying and selling um, sex, and it would get rid of charges related to promoting prostitution. Um, it would, like, even um, helping sex workers, helping each other uh, kind of screen clients, that would that we would get rid of any kind of prosecution related to that. Um, anyone who has previously faced arrest um, charges related to sex work would also see those removed from their records. Uh, so it's, it's a pretty... Um, uh, to my mind, a sweeping bill um, for sex work. What do you? What did you guys make of it? I mean, it's it's great. I I I don't know enough about New York politics or New York Senate to see like what its prospects are and, yeah, and if yeah. it's going to make it through. But um, I and and I also. I, I, I mean, it's kind of looking good. I think that's I, good. Yeah. That's I mean, great. That's, that's the what I sort of gleaned from it. But I yes. mean, yeah, I think I think since the whole Sesta Fosta thing, which was a little over a year ago now, that that was Sesta Fosta. Like, Sesta Fosta is like. Do you realize what Sesta Fosta stands for? It's the stupidest acronym of all <laughs> yeah, time. Do you know what it is? I know that Sesta is Stop Enabling Sex Trafficking Online Act. Sex Trafficking online sex Act. Tra- yeah, they and then the Fosta is Fight Online sex trafficking It doesn't act. make grammatic sense. <laughs> no, I know. It's terrible. It's so stupid. But can you guys explain for listeners who might not know the SESTA-FOSTA um, thing, what it is and why it came about? Yeah, the SESTA-FOSTA act legislation <laughs> was, uh, I mean, that's, that's like the ATM act, machine. Act, I know, yeah, act, yeah, act. Yeah, um, <laughs> it, uh, it, was, it was basically, uh, would hold accountable any entity that supposedly enabled sex trafficking. So this was most notably uh, uh, used to shut down Backpage, which was, you know, owned by Village Voice Media. And in that case, there was actually, like, some pretty shady stuff going on. Um, but it also ended oh, it up— It was uh, some shady stuff some going, right? Some shady stuff. And, like, I'd say the majority of the it's stuff totally, was totally yeah. just uh, legit sex work. Yeah, yeah, which is the case with, you know, 99.9% of these places. I yeah. mean, that, that you know, the, the Craigslist personal ads were a, a big place where people would find and vet clients and everything, um, and just a safer way in general to do business if you're a sex worker in the 21st century uh, where you should not have to, you know— be out on a street in a potentially unsafe scenario. So right before, they wouldn't have held Backpage liable for anything no, that went no. on on it's their website. Like it would pass through. But like, once yeah. SESTA-FOSTA went, uh, you know, was enacted, they were held liable. And so that basically shut, I mean, in just immediately Craigslist was like, oh, we don't want to get in trouble. So they shut down yeah, the personal. it was personals. like preventative. Right. But yeah. Um, so a lot of that, st- so immediately the these kinds of places where sex workers found clients and were able to screen clients in a safe way without using pimps 
um, that kind of that line of revenue immediately dried up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they were put in a situation where they then either had to go back to the street, like street walking. Um, sorry, I'm like using terms that I don't really know. <laughs> well, they, that, they sound antiquated because they I should be are. antiquated. Yeah, like, yeah. It, it's, it, it's, I mean, I, I did a story a couple years ago on an app that I don't think exists anymore that was um, in Germany that was a kind of like an Uber for sex work uh-huh. um, because it's legal there. Or it's, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, decriminalized there. And it just, it, it felt... It felt so progressive to just be yeah. like, you know, not, it's one of these things where it's like, it's not going to stop happening. So let's just try to reduce the amount of time so people get, you know, raped and murdered uh, in the course of this uh, this form of making an income. And, uh, and I, yeah, I think that all of these places, though, and that have uh, popped up after SESTA-FOSTA, there's this, there's Twitter, which is like a, yep. like a kind of social media it's kind of um, like a it's like a feed, a Twitter. Yeah. It's a little more chaotic. Yeah. And there are other paid ones that are more private, but I think all of them have a tough time because even if you're in a country where uh it's decriminalized or where it's, you know, not technically illegal to engage in sex work, uh you, there are still discrimination. There's still discrimination from banks and legal places so you can, you know, even if you're trying to do a totally above the books like clean operation uh it it can be really hard still to um to keep it going just because of discrimination right because well yeah banks i mean you know they're they're not a protected class like for example in australia or whatever so they can't they can have the app but no one's going to accept the money banks won't accept the money and so that's uh becomes yeah that becomes exactly the problem um I think the thing about, like, it's incredible. I'm 1,000 bazillion percent in support of decriminalizing sex work. The thing that feels really, in some ways, radical about it Mm -hmm. is the idea that um, the people who had some sort of criminal record would have those expunged. Yeah. Because that's in a way in which you see, like— teenagers who were in jail for selling weed right are they don't have their records yeah. expunged you know like yeah. that this thing that now like white mom entrepreneurs are making a lot of money yeah. off of like doing boutique CBD cannabis sales candles. yeah are uh, they're not the ones in jail <laughs> right or like right. had their whole futures erased by like smoking weed when yeah, they, they don't 19. have to like declare it every time they fill out a job yeah. application exactly or, yeah. mm-hmm. so i think that piece feels super radical and i think that you know like maybe i know that for me personally like 10 years ago this would have felt it different not because of my support for sex workers but because I had been like ingrained in like faulty facts like I think the first time um I was actually I volunteered at an anti-trafficking organization Mm -hmm. in India for a month or two like back in 2000 I don't know it doesn't matter 2011 2010 and back then it was very much like the numbers that were thrown around were like the global age of entry into sex work is like 13, which now, 10 years later, has been very it's like widely... Fif- it's like 15, 15 and a half or something. Just still yeah. very young. Yeah. You know, but I think that those kinds of, like, uh, very anecdotal uh, pieces of yeah. data were used to marshal support for criminalizing sex work, being like, until we can make it so that 
you know, children aren't being trafficked into sex work, then, like, we should just abolish all sex work. Right. You know? The sex work the sex work and human trafficking being put in the same bucket has yeah. always been – they've just been put in the same bucket for a really long time. And they're actually just not. And they're like, just they're, not no, at yeah. all. Yeah. And it's really difficult to – and, the, again, yeah, the numbers – Um, you know, we read some pieces about the numbers having been inflated for such a long time um, and it taking, like, a lot of pressure on Congress to stop using inaccurate numbers even right. on the floor um, to, to you know, to talk about these, this issue. Uh, and those numbers it's were really so broadly used. They were used by yeah. international NGOs. They were used everywhere. They right. were used as fundraising numbers. They were, you know. Yeah. To make this, the, again, like, obviously, we're all anti-human trafficking right. over here. But can I just speak for <laughs> the three of us? Oh, yes, yes, yes. We we are, I should have clarified that up. Trafficking. Yeah, yeah. I'm against <laughs> human trafficking. But so I'm not trying to say, like, it's not a problem. But again, I think at that time, be, uh, you know, just in order to marshal support, there was a lot of fear-mongering using, like, inflated crazy numbers so to get people to to get on board or also because it's almost impossible to quantify and it's impossible it's really hard to take the platform you know to say like okay maybe let's like tone down this rhetoric and actually look at the the problem in a in a because you don't want to be the person on the side of like oh the human trafficking it's like not as big of a deal as you say it's it's really hard to be on that side of things and i think but i think also like there is a i don't every time i'm in a hotel or watching cable news or something, I'm just like, there's always a special on about sex trafficking or yeah. like or like child sex slaves or something like that. And like there's a degree to which it's so it's become such a sensational topic that I think is disproportionate to the way that to, to how one, how often it happens, and two, like we're totally ignoring just as horrifying stories of of a consenting adult sex workers um, who have sometimes very bad and untenable and dangerous working conditions because of the way that we treat sex workers in this country. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's that's always and always those the sex workers that that are suffering disproportionately are you know. Black, yeah, yes. large, trans, yes. yeah. Uh, black women, I think, are like the largest per- group uh, by proportion or something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think so. I guess my question is then, where are we culturally on just the idea of sex work? I mean, we in this room are like excited about decriminalizing it in New York State. Where is the average American, and what are their you know <laughs> arguments against it? I don't know. I mean, their arguments against it, again, have to do with this bucketing of human trafficking and sex work. Whereas, meanwhile, I think most of it, isn't it that, like, most trafficking scenarios are about domestic work? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not sex work. Or, like, working in a nail salon or something. Right, right, right. Like, that kind of thing. Um, I I don't know. We're just, like, this is where I'm, like, oh, the bubble I live in is so nice. Mm -hmm. But... (laughs) I think America as a whole is, like, super puritanical. Yeah. And so anything affiliated with sex becomes scandalous and dirty. And yet it's 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 the oldest profession, right? Right. Like, it's, like, such an old phenomenon. We've been living with it for centuries and And centuries. And culturally, in different places, it's been celebrated. It's been, Mm -hmm. like, rarefied. Right, right. It's all extremely relative here. I mean, I... I I do think that 
I mean, for me, I was I, I'm about to do a profile of a of a, a famous person who once had a a, a sex scandal, like a, a consenting sex scandal mm-hmm. uh, with a with a with a sex worker, and uh, and I was looking back at it and I was going over everything and I was like, man. Especially in terms of like Hollywood stories right now, it's like who cares? Who like, cares? Like, would that be a big deal if that happened now? Like yeah. I don't. I think maybe it would still be a big deal just because it would be you know, salacious or whatever. But I don't think that it would be demonized to the right. degree that. It, and and again, that's right. still okay, talking so like about if, this media bubble. If, but still, uh, if okay, so so Donnie, for example. There has had well chronicled instances of infidelity. If one of those instances of infidelity were with a prostitute, um, you know, a a consenting adult sex worker, um, like Stormy Daniels is, was this? I mean, if you want to use the broad, she's in pornography, right? Well, I I mean, I think a lot of people could categorize pornography as a form of sex work too. I mean, obviously, it's a little different, but you know, it's it's a broad class of employee that often gets discriminated in the same way so right right um, right yeah. uh i but i think okay so so he weathered this that storm <laughs> uh, <kinda>. <laughs> um <laughs> but uh but, like if it was even more stark than that like with what like the thing that happened with elliot spitzer right so he um, had an affair, or I don't even know. Was what, just on the website with the Ashley Madison stuff. Is that no? Uh, didn't no. he was he didn't he have a he was with a with a, a sex worker, right? I think so. I, I think he was. Yeah, and that kind of led to his Google. And that led to his uh, that led to his downfall. Wait, Harry, can you double check that? Um, and that led to his downfall. It, uh, but it's interesting. I just saw him on Bill Maher last weekend or something, Funny. and I was. Bill like, <laughs> but but I think he's he's kind of like recovered from that because again even at the time a lot of people were like I mean who among us you know what I mean I don't right. know <laughs> I, I I um I had a boyfriend once um may he never appear in my face again who um <laughs> like who had was like a bro dude and uh, had a bunch of like everybody makes mistakes. <laughs> I know, thank you. Um, and uh, he had a bunch of like bro dude friends, and they would go to these bachelor parties. Like one of you know, every time one of them came, it'd be like a bachelor party in Vegas. It was very, very stereotypical. Vegas bachelor party, whatever. And I was just like, just tell me what happened. Like, tell me, break the code of silence, <laughs> and specifically tell me. And he was like, I can say that all of the married men um, have, you know. Are are unfaithful and have and usually hire someone and and have sex with with a with a sex worker, and and I was just like just for real, and he was like yeah, like just every that's what happens, and so I was like that's I mean there's an infidelity piece which I'm not on board with if your wife is not on board with it, mm-hmm. um, but I would you know I thought like. So it's it's an unspoken thing that everybody's kind of fine with, except for again the infidelity piece. But like, uh, well, the ability is for for again for Trump's base to be able to like overlook this one thing that goes very much against evangelical values well, uh, in, in also a, not every like way. anybody's living according to their values no, in Trump world. No, so like, it doesn't of matter. Not. <laughs> yeah, it's it, I don't know it. 
it's really hard to 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 try to apply any rules yeah. to, or logic to this line of thinking when it comes to like moralizing about sex, especially because everybody is a hypocrite in some way or another. Well, I think what's really actually interesting that you were saying earlier about like you know what what counts as sex work, mm-hmm. like is being a porn star sex work, mm-hmm. or is being a dominatrix that never in like many instances right, never has like s- physical right. sensual right. sensual right. massage or, and stuff or like, like that or uh like a voice actor doing like phone se- like mm-hmm. there's right. so many ways in mm-hmm. which sex is defined that we can't always grasp or understand especially i think with like this is where i'm like oh this is a new generation of young people coming up for whom the idea of what sex is period mm-hmm. or the fact that everybody might want to have sex mm-hmm. is like n- these are not givens right at all so it's like we don't they also like don't have as much sex interestingly i know but isn't that stat always about millennials and i'm like but millennials I, are let's now see what, every age yeah <laughs> it seems like, like everybody's so, millennial millennials are so old yeah <laughs> um uh, it's like all many of the millennials i know are just they're like at home with their kids. I'm like, why is right. the millennials right. 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 somehow yeah. famous yeah. for what's happening? No, totally. It's like, oh my God, millennials are moving to the suburbs. And I'm like, yeah, because they're 38. Yeah. 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 Like, <laughs> millennials are old. Yeah, yeah, they're old. They're old. Um, but, uh, but your point being that... Um, it's hard to define or criminalize something that we don't even... Or it's hard to criminalize something that we don't have a definition for. Right. That right. Like, is constantly changing. So why not make it safer right yeah. again this it's so funny that you mentioned yeah like there's the there's there's the phone stuff there's the video stuff there's the you know there's the dominatrix stuff i mean there's so many categories that um it and again it's i think ma- made possible like the the spreading of these categories by the internet um again leading to the sea change that is our lives. I right. mean, like, we I think all this legislation is thinking about, like, there's a woman in, like, uh, like fishnets on a corner. Right. You mm-hmm. know? And it's, it's just not mm-hmm. the way right. it is it's anymore. It's not like no. a yeah. cam girl who maybe physically never touches a single other right. person, but makes thousands of dollars and supports her life. Yeah. Yeah. Like, those are both. And is also <laughs> subject to, like, you know, some kind of insecurity or, uh, you know, potential danger from clients, even yeah. virtually. Like, yeah. that that can happen. It doesn't have right. to all be, like, in a seedy hotel room. Yeah, so, I mean, it's, yeah. so to, I think that our – we need to think about when we're thinking about regulations like SESTA-FOSTA, what are the unintended consequences? And I think be, our lawmakers are having a hard time – Remember, you remember when when Mark Zuckerberg was, you know, be, was testifying before Congress and someone was just like, how do you unfriend someone or whatever like that? With, you know what I mean? And like their questions are not kind of thinking 12 steps ahead of how the Internet works. And then what are the unintended consequences? Like what happened, which is that maybe human trafficking has gone down. The global figures have potentially gone down because all, all these websites were shut down. But then also so did um, safe and a safe income source for a lot of sex workers that we're not that's I think a big problem is like we need to be able to think about this issue and all issues more three-dimensionally and how it relates to how commerce is actually happening all right well let me know what you guys think (laughs) (laughs) are you excited is there a decriminalization of sex work bill happening in your state that i don't know about please tell me um and thanks again to uh our listener for bringing that um issue uh to my face all right you guys let us move on to topic number three 
Okay, so you guys, let's talk about the wellness industrial complex because you might be keto, you might be paleo, you might be South Beach, you might do turmeric lattes for inflammation or acai smoothies for the antioxidants, you might be fasting 16 hours a day, you might be using an oregano oil tincture, you might swear by bone broth, or you might be munching pineapple for fertility. There are so, 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 so many things in the wellness industry, you guys. Um, Have you found yourself uh, buying into them, rejecting them? Actual Where are you as well? Just rolled down my eyes. <laughs> like actual oh, no. It's like keto. It's just like it all <laughs> comes out. South Beach is pretty retro, though. I know like, it that's is. A deep, I threw it in there. Cut. I threw it in there because it, felt, it actually felt like the beginning, right? Sure, I yeah. It kind of felt like the beginning of it all or something. I don't know. Yeah, like the, the beginning of us talking about carbs. Yeah, 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 exactly. Atkins was, wasn't Atkins, Atkins oh, yeah. first? Yeah. They, were, they were kind of contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 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 Atkins. <sighs> like well, when the a fact dad that we can throw around these fucking diets and know the intricacies <laughs> of them just without prep. Yeah. This, yeah. It, like, I know more about these diets than I do about Iran right now. Yes. So, you know, like. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. So have you bought in? Like, have you, I mean, are you still in that space? I mean, where are you guys with the wellness industry? With with all the things that you just presented, that lovely litany of the wellness industrial (laughs) complex, there are a couple things. One is I, of course, have bought in because I'm a woman living in a woman's body in America. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That period. So, period. Yeah. So like we are in the, it's programmed in us from birth to be as small and pretty mm-hmm. as possible and how are the all the different ways that we can accomplish that. Yeah. So like yes I am and I work very hard as a feminist to not be ashamed of the fact that this has been programmed inside of me and so I'm not trying to like extract it all, right? The other thing about what I find very funny about what has become super trendy in the West about so much of like the turmeric latte is like, but these are also actually ancient cultural yeah. health. There's also that. There's like, yes. there's a reason why bone broth is important and yeah. why people all around the world have been consuming and making bone broth and drinking it. There's a reason why my parents fucking fed me ginseng, ginger, and yes, turmeric my whole life. It's because yes. it is actually healthy. An anti-inflammatory. Yeah. <laughs> it literally the way is. That it was like The way that it has been um, commodified. Yeah, yeah, and made into something that is no longer about nutrition and health and deliciousness, but just about, in my mind, making yourself small. Like truly, it's all about making yourself small. Except now mean? it's can healthy. You, yeah, you're trying to be healthy now. I'm doing scare what quotes. What do you mean so, making ourselves? I mean, small. literally by making ourselves oh, thinner, like physically yeah. small, physically smaller, okay. and also that this is part of like a patriarchal system to make women small is because how much brain space did we spend? On knowing what keto is instead of Iran. Right. Yeah. You know, it like makes us smaller because we become obsessed with it. And I'm not saying that as like a, as a, like some sort of shade to women who, because I'm, I do it too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's because we've been programmed to. Yeah. 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 Like yeah. I want women to forgive themselves for doing it doing and it. not doing it. Yeah. <laughs> right, totally. right. 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 I just want us to be easier on ourselves. And it's very, very hard. Well, also, Emily. it's like, be, I mean, being small. 
small as in like fixated, like mentally small, and yeah. then like the amount, like the amount Socially, of energy that you, yeah. yeah, that you pour into this thing that ultimately doesn't affect the world very much, but also like. There is something real about taking up less real estate as a human body mm-hmm. in the world. I mean, you feel it every day on 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 the subway. And there's like this this huge, I don't know, there's this impetus to just be like, I should, I should not take up any space at all. Like I should do the opposite of of man spread. Uh yeah. you know, I should, I should make myself as as the the least impediment that I that I possibly can. Um yeah, I I think uh I think the other thing about Especially when you get into stuff like turmeric and 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 you know new wonder ingredients that um, you know are actually have long traditions in other cultures is like a lot of it is exoticism too. Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like I mean it's 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 eating the special food to be special um, as opposed to just like taking something into your daily routine and not making a big deal about it. Like just being like, no, this is just like what I eat every day. Instead of you know having to ask for the special menu somewhere or you know the the way that you mentally approach food when you go to the when you go to the um the the to get a latte or whatever um and whatever kind of milk you ask for i mean when you ask for the oat milk as opposed to the almond milk like you're making a a, a, a decision about your identity <laughs> yeah yeah that, there's something performative yeah about there it. there yeah. is totally um not that oat milk is the most exotic thing in the world but you know what I but like matcha has existed for a very long yeah. time, and matcha <laughs> is great. Yeah, it's like the best caffeine, and I uh, I am glad that it's now available everywhere because uh, nothing gets me spracked like matcha. <laughs> but I, but you know, and 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 before it was like, oh, you have to go to the you know, Japanese grocery or the Asian grocery yeah. or whatever to get it, and now it's just everywhere. You can get it at Greg's coffee, Gregory's. You know coffee. what makes like, me angry though what? is like vegan kimchi made by white people. Uh, <laughs> makes me just feel angry. Even though I am glad that all of the corner stores carry kimchi. I'm just like, just you go buy it in bulk yeah. in Koreatown and then bring it and resell it yeah. in your bodega. Oh, but right. don't don't buy the white people stuff. Right. It makes me feel crazy. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I feel right. because So we're all, uh, where, where are you? What are your backgrounds? I'm Korean. I'm um, half Japanese. Okay. So, and I'm Iranian. And so, uh, so there's, we all. a very mashy conversation. We're very mm-hmm. mashy yeah. conversation. And uh, so we all have come from cultures that have, you know, used, like, have pickled foods and have, you, you know. like probiotics. Right. Like, like, yeah. yeah. You've been knowing about probiotics. <laughs> it's so funny because my parents would just it, every day pull out some random pickled things and just eat them because that's what Iranians do. And like I, growing up, I was always like, gross. But mm-hmm. now I was like, oh, the wisdom of that thing, you yeah. know. And turmeric is just in er- My mom would just like toss it in everything. It wasn't a big deal. It's just like what I grew up. Chia seeds, like like, mm-hmm. these are things in Iran that they would – every time you're, like, sick, people would be like, have some chia seeds. You know, like, it was a yeah. thing that just happened all the time without it being um, commodified yeah. and having a special aisle in the grocery store. But I think the uh, thing that, like, I – that at least has – I've been thinking about a lot lately is this, like, kind of element of shame mm-hmm. that comes with it is that, like, we're supposed to be – aware, right? Like you're supposed to want to treat your body well and it's a good thing to treat your body well. But then to like, there's something, I don't know, I feel like in some circles where like it becomes embarrassing to then talk about the fact that 
that you're doing this. That you're doing yeah, it yeah. or embarrassing that you do care about like wanting to look good in a picture for a special event yeah. because feminists or smart women aren't supposed to want mm-hmm. that. But so then you become embarrassed about the thing that we're told by the world that we're supposed to do. Yeah. And it's like a double. It's a vicious yeah. cycle. Yeah. yeah you can't this. get out of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm a person who's done like several juice cleanses before and like I would always do it over I used to do it over Thanksgiving break because everybody would be out of town and I was like I could just be at home and never have to like be seen in public <laughs> with a juice of all things and like just go to the spa and hold hold yeah, up and, and like yeah. people do that with like getting like laser peels like yeah. they do it on a weekend when they never have to leave the house yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever, yeah. Like, but we can like, pretend it doesn't exist right, right. there's yeah. a shame in doing it and there's a shame in not doing it and yeah or like not wanting to preserve yourself that way right and it's just like what why the thing that makes it feel like a an industrial complex is that yeah Yeah. like when um i love jamila jamil and uh her campaign called Mm iway and it's just it's about like the politics of body right and she recently posted like an ad, I th- maybe it was like Amber Rose was doing an ad for flat belly tea, but it was for like prenatal flat belly tea. What? It was for pregnant women to take. Oh my God. Like, and I was like, now, sense. like the one place, even though I have a lot to say about how you're only supposed to be pregnant one way and like a good <laughs> pregnancy only looks like a belly supposed to right. look a certain Get way. You're only town. supposed to gain yeah. weight here. And yeah, you're only, yeah, but yeah. all of that. Uh, yeah. But that like the one time where where women are like, well, I'm going to gain 40 pounds and it's going to be a thing that is like at least socially acceptable here. Yeah. Now there's flat belly tea for pregnancy? Like, I know. Are you kidding I me? I know. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, yeah. because it's like the a, a, a great pregnancy is one in which you only gain that little belly. You don't have any mm-hmm. hips involved or whatever. And, I, you know, I'm deep in it, right, because I'm postpartum. I'm I'm. Uh, I'm like 15 pounds to where I was before. I think about it constantly. It kills me. I look in the mirror. I get upset. I mean, I'm deep in this this vicious self-hating, all of that, deep in it. And I've also – so like I look at this, and there's so many angles to look at this. One, I have done the keto thing and – the interesting thing about keto, my, so I, I have a, come from a family of doctors, and keto is something that's actually prescribed to a lot of people that have, like, kidney problems, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, me, it's a medically, like, makes sense, you know, and it's it's a way to um, – it's a hormone balancer, and there's all these benefits to it, right? Mm-hmm. And it's basically like you just basically eat meat and vegetables and healthy fats, and it's like how basically people ate – Back yeah. in the day, you know, mm-hmm. because for most of human history, we didn't have wheat, wheat. and we didn't have yeah. farming, right? And so it's like that's – this is how people ate. And so it makes sense. The human body runs better that way. And when I've done it, I've had – again, it's, it's, it feels embarrassing to even admit it, but like I've had insane amounts of energy. Yeah. I lost a bunch of weight. I felt better than I ever felt in my entire life. My skin was so clear. My hair was so <laughs> thick. My everything. I mean all yeah. that stuff is absolutely true. And I think – it's inter- I think what part of what's happening right now is like a response to the 80s and 90s where we sort of didn't realize that f- what food did. Like we didn't know that when we were packaging and processing everything that it was going to have a harmful effect on us. So my puberty, I ate 
every day during middle school, Funyuns. I was on a... <laughs> Funyuns are good. I think I mentioned that on this podcast before. I was on a Funyuns oh only God. regime. Oh Funyuns God. and bugles. You guys remember oh, my Yes. <laughs> that is literally all I ate. And I would go home and my mom would make like a beautiful balanced square Iranian meal. And then I would... But then at school and where my parents probably thought I was eating well, had no idea that going to school could be the most danger, have the most dangerous health consequences. Well, public school lunches are a nightmare. nightmare. And and we're only now kind of coming to terms with that. But a lot of people like me came of age eating nothing but process, hormonally imbalancing total garbage and so then we all have these stomachs that hurt and inflammation and craziness for what reasons that are unclear and also the physical body was designed to run from bears and to hunt and gather berries right like that's what we were supposed to do instead we have a lot of not time not watch bts videos all day long yes not <laughs> watch those exactly that's healthy though that's super healthy it cleans out so many toxins it really does yeah. i love myself <laughs> but well, you know what I mean? So yeah. I feel like going back to what the human condition was supposed to there I I do I do appreciate this the keto diet. I do appreciate knowing about those sure. things because I do honestly have experienced the health benefits of it. And I look at things, my dad is a vascular cardiovascular thoracic surgeon. Whenever he looks at people, he di- he just like knee-jerk diagnosis them. That belly is too fat. It's this much percentage of heart disease in the future. You know, this, oh, your thyroids look this, your blah, blah, blah. He's just diagnosing people because we... Because we are overweight, right. you know, so yeah. there is something about that that well, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be like, big is beautiful. Big is beautiful, but healthy is also important. And I know that these are all like, yeah, they can exist fraught. together. Yeah. yeah. But, but I, think I think that's the piece of what we're talking about sex work and trafficking that like being put in a box. I yeah. think size yeah, and health yeah. have always yeah. been put in a box. Yeah. 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 I'm learning exactly. How to yeah. I also think like size and 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 health and class have, have been wrapped up in a really unhealthy way too. I mean, we talk about like something like school lunches or, you know, free lunch programs at schools, which, uh, you know, if you're lucky in your state, you get a fresh vegetable, but right. usually you right. don't. Um, and it gets and so the idea of like counteracting that of eating more whole foods of having less processed stuff no no you know stuff that hasn't been hormonally engineered or whatever that all becomes wrapped up in class then because you have to be able to afford it you have to be able to have access to it yeah and i mean i think i feel like this is always a perennial issue in California, and I think some other states have had this too, where they um, have a you know, there's always a bill or a measure up to uh, have to label all foods that have GMOs in them. Um, and GMOs, like some, are bad for you. Mm-hmm. But didn't like we save like, India from starvation? The scientists yeah. were like, "We right. can grow corn this yeah. way, yeah, <laughs> and I mean, now like, we won't starve to death." Almost every <laughs> single crop in America has been genetically engineered at some time or another just so that we have enough of it. Like, it is just a given. Um, And and there are always bills that come up to to label these products, you know, to to, to warn everybody that this product has GMOs. And I I understand why people want to move towards being more aware about their food in that way. But I also think that that something about that, I'm just like, 
that's a nightmare then for anybody who can't afford to have totally. anything else. Like yeah. it's just being reminded of at yeah. all times that you're having the the bad food. Because the um, real crime here is that if we all agree that having whole foods is better, it's always more expensive. Yeah. And that's yeah. the real and and that is something at a and policy if we can't provide them and, then like, Yeah. And that's something that at a policy level isn't being addressed when we do talk about labeling GMO foods, you know? Um and that having a GMO food is healthier than having still healthier if it's cheaper than having yeah. you know a box of mac and cheese yeah. or whatever. I mean, corn on the cob. If you like corn on the cob in the summer, you're eating GMOs. Like yeah. you just are. And I love corn on the cob. I love GMOs. <laughs> pro GMO, Yay. pro Israel. What are the anti-human trafficking? Right, we're, we have a whole yeah, sorry, list. Yeah, we're uh, we're okay with GMOs oh, yeah. in the event that they help people. We're pro Israel. Um, so I. Where how do we kind of unbundle these things so that we can I, I almost it's like it almost feels like we can't mention as mention health when we are talking about weight. You know what I mean? Culturally. Yeah. I mean, it's also always a it either way, you're kind of screwed because if you're genuinely doing something like a keto diet because you feel better um and it does measurably improve your life, Everybody will think you're doing it to lose weight. Yeah, like, and then then you're living that shame. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it's and and I think that I think this issue comes up or this this idea comes up a lot of like, especially with like skincare now too. Just like this idea of, regardless of the outcome of whatever you're doing, whatever practice you've taken on, uh, that there is something beneficial in just the doing of it. Of, like, making a decision to, you know, want to treat yourself a little bit better yeah. in, in whatever small way that you can. You don't have to go out and buy a $100 eye cream or whatever. Like, you can you can just but, decide. oh, the joys of doing oh, such a yeah. thing. Oh, if God. you can. Uh, but, but I mean, just deciding. Like, I mean, I, years and years ago, I love ice cream so much. I grew up in the Midwest. I mean, dairy, dairy central USA. But where did you grow up? In Iowa. Oh, I grew up in Illinois. Oh, Illinois. Nice. Right. Yeah. I mean, still dairy, like the land of the frozen custard. Um, and I went to a, a nutritionist in, in a bout of like, oh, I need to try all these different things yeah, to fix yeah. my body. And she pointed out that I was, you know, massively lactose intolerant, which I probably knew because I always felt, felt like shit after I had a, a ice cream. Yeah, yeah, an ice cream or a milkshake. But then I stopped doing it and I haven't, I have been dairy free now for over a decade. And it's like, and I, it was like a, ultimately a good decision that I made. Um, but you still feel like such a precious little flower when you're at a <laughs> Italian oh, I, restaurant. I, mean, I like when I'm doing like you know when I'm keto or something like that. I will like never mention it, yeah. you know, because I don't want to be considered that person. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I proselytize about it because I'm like, guys, oh, it feels great, you know. <laughs> and so it is. It's like you're you know caught in this really weird web um, where you're like, but being dairy free really works for me. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean. And and yeah. and there are legitimate physical ailments that people. Have. I mean, IBS is not something. Is this is a modern uh, problem because of our food, and so we do need to be more. You know, right? I think the challenge when it's like like to connect this idea back to the wellness industry mm -hmm. and like the people who are profiting off oh, of yeah. this. Uh -huh. It's like I. I'm also lactose intolerant, and I figured that out kind of in my 
mid-30s. And I was like, literally everything hurts. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. like my knuckles hurt. Like my stomach kind of – like just everything hurt. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'll do one of those like arthritis diets, which is like, you know, just yeah. an elimination diet, right? Where you're like, okay, well, I'm going to take out, out these things yeah. and then I'm going to add them back and mm-hmm. see what it is. And I was like, lo and behold, I'm way lactose intolerant and big surprise, like – at 90% of Asian people yeah. develop lactose intolerance in their lives. And yeah. I was like, why? And then again, but then you're like, I can't do this. Yeah. And you're yeah. like, now I'm that person who's like the dairy-free person. Yeah. But about the like the industry of wellness, I think there's something that um, the piece of it that makes me sad mm. and not just like angry is yeah. that a this is a, a woman's industry yeah it's a woman's issue yeah and so much of it is about like i think and i will speak completely for myself like my own desperation to find solutions for which science has none because right. science and research is fucking sexist yeah so it's like okay well i'm 40 i'm like experiencing like the hormonal changes that come to a woman when they are 40 and I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, why do I have this? Why do I have this? And I'm talking to, like, these brilliant women friends of mine that are, like, maybe four or five years older. And they're the ones pushing some, like, not pushing, being like, well, like, I didn't know. And so I tried this, like, maca life supplement. Mm-hmm. And it's like we're all kind of grasping for straws because we want to feel better. And, like, science has not provided. Yeah. Things. And I so think it's like a, people make yeah. fun of like being like, oh, I'm gonna, t- you're gonna buy that astragalus whatever thing <laughs> on the internet, and you're like, yeah, because what are my other alternatives? Like, right. yeah. I, I need yeah. to figure out what's happening. Right. And I think what would have happened back in the days, we all would have lived in a in a, a complex with our aunties, and then if at your thirtieth birthday, your aunties would have been like, take this you know root, right? And then at your fortieth birthday, they would have been like, start taking this oil tincture you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. we don't have that kind of like passed down like knowledge anymore that's not how things are happening how things are now happening is through the you know the goop newsletter yeah Yeah. (laughs) and so it is it's commodified in a way that is sad and um and it is preying on the shift that women do naturally have in their in their physical person Mm -hmm. yeah or like why you know, I so appreciate you talking about being postpartum and being like, I'm living in a like a world of self hatred right now, even though I shouldn't be in blah blah blah. But mm. like, I don't feel like myself. Yeah, because you're just going through like constant transitions. Women go through constant transitions in a way that men um, don't. Men don't, mm-hmm. and we just. Similar to like doing a juice cleanse when nobody else is out of town, or like right. getting a like a like a chemical peel when like you're not going to see people, is like we're also not supposed to talk about yeah. it, yeah. which then makes it, we're like in this veil of secrecy, which then you're like, shh, I'm gonna I'm gonna read goop even though I think it's fucking yeah. snake oil, <laughs> yeah, and I yeah, know that yeah, they don't yeah. fact check anything, yeah. but like maybe it'll help. Maybe Can I know? something in there? No, just a nugget. Yeah. Yeah. The fucking female body is the fucking craziest shit ever, you guys. <laughs> like, I have literally gotten postpartum vertigo. Ooh. What? You know what I mean? I didn't know that vertigo was going to be a pro- I mean, yeah. what is everybody talking about? Vertigo? And uh, it's it. so you are, like, Googling, ple- you know, in a please help me. Yeah. Like, 
and I'll do anything. <laughs> and this is, I'll fucking do anything because vertigo is really fucked up and I don't understand why is this, you know? Yeah. And so I, I, I get it. And if you're Googling those things, A, don't feel bad. Uh, also try not to buy into the snake oil. But also right. if you do buy into it, it's okay. Don't become right? an anti-vaxxer, please. Also. Just don't do that. <laughs> Just don't do that. Yeah. Um, All right, you guys. Um, I feel like we could talk about this for hours, but we're not going to because we have to end the show. That is the end of the show. <laughs> we always end the show by asking you guys, how do you feel? <laughs> Um, I feel uh, overwhelmed and damp because it is very (laughs) humid. It's real damp. It feels like I'm swimming psychologically and physically constantly. That is the American condition. (laughs) Damp. (laughs) I feel. Um, I feel, oh God, why is this so hard to talk about my feelings? I feel, um, really great about both of you guys' eye fashion, oh, which thank I told you, you about. They're both yeah, wearing really you cute glasses right now. You guys will see right it in, in the picture that we take oh. after Wait, you the might show find this amusing it. is that I, as a lifelong glasses and contacts wearer, last year I got LASIK <gasps> because it was oh, wow. part of my preparation for the apocalypse. Yeah. Oh. Oh, wow. That's a really good idea. Legit. I my, I'm farsighted, so mine hasn't been perfected yet. Mm. My la- my mm-hmm. thingy with LASIK. I w- I'm not opposed. No, I mean. That's brilliant. Also, the <laughs> eye surgeon was like, oh, yeah, when people get panicked. So, like, after 9-11, like, LASIK, LASIK went up. Like, Whoa. after. Yeah. It's, like, after bad news Reaching happens. for your glasses in a time of crisis is uh, precious seconds. Yeah. Well, my husband always laughs at me. He's like, well, when, like. When the apocalypse comes, like you're gonna get eaten by lions. Like I can't see the lion, so like right. what's gonna? Yeah. You know, I was like, I need to protect my. It was. Meanwhile, it was I, can that see, I, I can see. I can see the lions coming. From? I don't know where the lions. I mean, the you know, those lions, uh, zombies, those Manhattan know. lions. Uh, I can like see the lions. The I just can't. I won't be able to like read like the original version of the Constitution that I'll have access to because right. that's my problem. I can see a distance. I can't see the like right in front of me. Um, well, you guys, uh, you know who also has uh, a killer pair glasses um, is Harry Nelson who helps make this show happen he's our producer I also want to thank um, the other people at Fake the Nation that make things happen like our our audio engineer Jared O'Connell he doesn't wear glasses but he's still a great guy <laughs> um, Lily Fleshler helps with research Gobby Alter um, is responsible for our uh, theme music and I should also point out that he has a new album coming out so you'll be hearing about that from me I'm going to bring him on the show and play a, to- a tune or two um, very excited you'll love it if you like our theme music you'll just love everything that Gobby does he's brilliant um, and you guys we'd love to hear from you please send us your feedback topics that you want us to chat about i've been getting such great emails and i'm gonna just i'm slowly incorporating them um in these episodes so if you've been sending emails i hope you are noticing the incorporation (laughs) um but please uh leave us a voicemail at 347-770-4981 or drop us a line at comments at fakethenation.com and if you like what you hear please leave us a review at apple Podcasts because it helps people find the show that's an actual thing 
that's it, you guys. Thank you so much, and we'll be back uh, in your earballs uh, next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Yay! Yay! We did it. Let's, Let's take a photo.